You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. I love the series um, Anno Domini. Uh, It's about B.C. and A.D., and it's about the one who split history, and we're going to talk about that in the terms of the calendar in our Eve gatherings, and I'm really pumped about that. But these last few weeks, I don't know about you, but I am absolutely loving this journey. Jesus split the veil of humanity, God becoming one of us. God tore the veil in the temple from top to bottom so that we could enter into a relationship with a holy God, amen. And then today we're looking at something else God split, and I think it is possibly the greatest thing of all, and we see it in the beginning of the Christmas narrative in Matthew's account in verse 18. Notice what it says about the birth of our Savior. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, can I just pause there just really fast? You may have already made up your mind. You may have already made your plan. You may have already thought through your options and come to your decision, but it's very likely that God is going to appear to you with another idea, another direction, a better outcome for your life. The angel said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Why? Because he would save his people from their sin. At the drop, Christmas was about God defeating our greatest enemy. And the greatest enemy of your life is sin and the casualty of sin, which is spiritual death, which means separation from Almighty God forever unless there is a remedy, someone who has power to defeat death and offer life. And that's what Christmas has been about from the very first moment. And that's why we sing, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. We were walking down a sidewalk a few nights ago and there was a little Salvation Army 
uh, quartet of guys out on the sidewalk singing, and they were singing Hark the Herald, and a little group of people gathered around. I don't think all the people necessarily were Jesus followers or people of the way, but they loved that song. It's very familiar, it's very festive, it's very Christmas, and everybody was standing around with their you know, video on, taking uh, pictures of these guys as they were singing on the sidewalk, and I thought, everybody gets involved in this song, but it's a very complicated and deep theological treatise. Not from the beginning, even you know the beginning. If I were to start it and say, Hark the herald angels sing. Could anybody sing along? Glory. Okay, you just take it, take it, you take it. Did I, is it a whisper? Is it a whisper? It's a very quiet song. People are singing very quietly. These guys were robust on the sidewalk. They were... The most polite <laughs> Christmas song in history. We didn't want to wake the baby. <laughs> now, the second verse. Anyone? <laughs> You're like, bro, we were struggling on that one. The second verse uh, is unbelievable, if I just, uh, if I may. I think the lyrics will come up. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Anybody? That's where the amen goes. Third verse. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Notice all the exclamation points. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Mm. Come. Now this is the one that's in the million dollar you know, pyramid thing. For a million dollars, can anyone name one line of the fourth verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing? No. Come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering you didn't see that coming, did you? Hark the herald angels. Rise. Rise. Rise up. Out of, the, out of the manger. Rise up. The woman's conquering seed. Adam's likeness, now efface. Some of you have to look that up. Stamp thine image in its place. Final Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. As soon as we walk past this quartet 
this song got in my heart and mind, as you know, songs do occasionally, and you just can't get them out. And I've not been able to get this song out of my mind since that night. And I keep coming back to a line in the song in the third stanza, and it is this line, maybe, maybe for me, my favorite line of any Christmas song of all time. Born that man no more may die. When the angels announced the birth of Jesus, what they were announcing was a mission. <laughs> and the mission was that Christ was coming to defeat death. His birth was about his death. And we cannot celebrate his birth without celebrating his death because his birth was about defeating death. He arrived on the scene to make sure that he would be in human flesh, incarnation. He would tear the veil of the temple so there'd be a new relationship with the holy God so that he then could die on a cross and put a stake through the heart of death once and for all. This is what he is splitting today. He's splitting the gates of hell and he is leading us out into everlasting life. Are you with me? We see it at the cross. This is the eyewitness account of his death in Matthew 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Clueless, right? God's changing history and eternity. People are clueless. But then, verse 50, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, another eyewitness account tells us he cried out, it is finished. It says here in Matthew 27, he gave up his spirit. So in flesh and blood, gasping, bleeding, the son of God now dies. And the instant that he dies, it sets off a chain of events throughout the spiritual world and a chain of events throughout the natural world. In the instant that he dies, a cataclysmic event takes place that sets in motion dominoes of significance that are still dominoing into this room right now. His death was so catalytic that in that moment, the entire earth shook. Look how Matthew records it. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. We talked about that last week with Dr. Mark. The earth shook, the rocks split. So there's our word. The one who split history also split the rocks. And the word for torn in the veil and split in the rocks, it's the same word. And verse 52, Something else happened. The tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. At his death, 
at the death of Jesus, rocks split, tombs opened, and people came to life. And as Jesus is raised from the dead, it, he goes on to say, they came to life, and after the resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So after the resurrection, it's not just that there's one person walking around that everybody knows had died. There are a bunch of people walking around that people knew had died because dominoes are going off. A series of events has been set in motion. A chain reaction is taking place because of the significance of the death of the Holy Son of God. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified, and they should have been terrified. This person splits history. This person splits humanity. This person splits the veil in the Holy of Holies, and now he's splitting rocks and splitting tombs, and they're terrified, but their exclamation is on the money. They said, surely he was the son of God. In other words, it all added up for them in a heartbeat. This is not some ordinary crucifixion. This is not some ordinary criminal. This is not run-of-the-mill average day's work for us. Something is going on here that has never happened before, and we are starting to clue into the fact that this is the Son of God. God in human skin. God gasping for breath, and then God dying. Why? So that he could put to death, death. The two big implications that we see in Matthew's account of the cross, number one, there's a spiritual implication. And what does that mean? It means that the instant that he died, our debt was canceled. The instant he died, our guilt was removed. And the instant he died, a way was made. When that veil was torn top down, it was God saying, there is now a way where there was no way. Not like if you work at it, you'll figure out a way. If you try hard enough, you'll come up with a way. If you're a really good person, you might find a way in. No, there is no way to get past this veil. If you go past this veil into the Holy of Holies, you die. And all of a sudden, from heaven to earth, God split the veil and said, I just made a way for you to come into the Holy of Holies. How? Is that possible? The Hebrews writer explained it. Look at the way he said it in Hebrews 10. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that Jesus opened for us through the curtain, the curtain that was torn from top down, no. That is through his flesh. So then it says a little bit later, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So what was ripped physically in the Holy of Holies was symbolic of the fact that when they put nails through Jesus' wrists and feet and a spear in his side, it was the ripping of his flesh that opened a way for us to come into a relationship with God. 
It wasn't the ripping of a curtain so that now we could walk into a physical space. It was the ripping of the curtain of the flesh of the Son of God so that now through his blood we could walk in with full confidence into a relationship with a holy God. The second implication is physical. The physical implication is that our bodies, even though we will die, in Christ are going to be raised. The implication is the grave is not our final resting place. You may put me in one, but I do not plan on staying there. You may seal me down in a vault, but I don't plan on staying in the vault. I don't mean in the spirit. I mean my body isn't staying in the vault. Jesus' death instantly split open tombs and people who had died were now walking, the walking dead. He said, there's both a spiritual implication to what just happened. You can come now into the holy place with a holy God. And there's a physical implication. Your body is not going to end up in a grave. Your body is gonna end up raised up and made brand new with me. It is finished, the final payment is done, people are walking, and on Friday, split the curtain, on Friday, you split the rocks, but on the third day, he split the rock and came out of the tomb and opened the gates of hell once and for all. For whoever wants to walk free, you now may leave. That's why it's called Anno Domini, the year of the Lord's favor. And that's what God is wanting us to get our hearts around today as we celebrate Christmas. He wants us to see the baby. He wants us to be amazed at the manger. He wants us to be mystified by incarnation. He wants us to feel all the feels, but he also wants us to understand that this baby is a warrior and he has come to set the captive free. When John saw him on the Lord's day when he was in the spirit and taken up into heaven, we've read this description so many times, but it stuns me every time. He says, John does, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all it's brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is an important you know, awareness for all of us. 
This is John. This is a disciple. This is a gospel writer. This is an eyewitness. This is a friend. This is a brother. And he didn't go, whoa, that's a pretty wild transformation. He didn't go, hey, it's a long time no see. That's my bro. No. He completely collapsed as though dead in the presence of his closest friend who now was ascended into radiant glory. And Jesus put his right hand on him and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And. I, I stopped at the end. You're like, well, why do you bother with conjunctions? Because why do you need a conjunction after that sentence? I mean, what more is there to say? I was dead, but now I am alive forever and ever. I am the living one. I was dead. You saw me dead, but I am now alive, and I'm alive forevermore. What, what more is there to say? Why is there an and after that? Because Jesus didn't just come to prove that he could beat death. He came to beat death so that then you could beat death. And he says, and, and there's more. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus has got the keys to set you free. You ever seen somebody posting on Instagram about buying a house? It's usually a first time home buyers and they're real excited and we're all excited for them and normally there are realtors involved and they're standing on the front porch and it's, here's our new home and we're at you know, 127 Happy Avenue or wherever they've moved into and oftentimes in the photo, they'll, someone will be holding the keys to the house. We just got the keys to the house. And all of that happened because there was a closing there was a legal transaction, there was a payment, it was notarized, it was signed, it was sealed, it was transferred, and now ownership has taken place. And what Jesus is trying to communicate to us through the revelation is a transaction has happened, a legal event took place, there was a closing and a payment, and it was notarized, and it was signed, and it was sealed, and now there's been a transfer and there's new ownership. I've got the keys. Hey, I, I, I don't carry keys. Uh, I'm, I'm against keys in general. Does anybody have keys? Uh, okay, thank you. They're, yes, a very extraordinary group of keys. <laughs> thank you for that, I appreciate it. Um, it's very kind of you to trust me because now I have the keys to your car. I can go take that. It's GMC. I'll look for it. Uh, I have keys to your house. So I can go in there. Your office. Your garage. Your old house. <laughs> your storage closet. Your mailbox. Wow. I can pretty much get anything you got. Thank you. That's exactly what Jesus is trying to get across. I got the keys. I went down there 
and I got the keys to everything he's got locked up. I got the keys. And what I love about this and the tone of it is, it's not a flex. It's not like that moment at Caesarea Philippi when he says to Peter on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we all feel like we have to flex. Okay, we're all going after the gates of hell. Come on, let's go take the gates of hell. Jesus said, here's how we're gonna take the gates of hell. I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna defeat it all. I'm gonna be raised up to everlasting life. I'm gonna be the living one. And while I'm down there, I'm gonna get the keys to everything. And I'm gonna come back with the keys and let you know I got all the keys. He's got the keys. Keys to what? Well, he's got the keys to spiritual life. That'd be the master key. I don't know which one of these on yours is the main Mac Daddy. I'm gonna go with that one probably. I've got the key of all keys, the big one. And it is the key that opens hell and lets you out of the wrath of God and out of an eternity separated from God by your own foolish, sinful choices and lets you into forgiveness and grace and mercy and a relationship with God forever. I got that key. Anybody need that key? You're like, I've been looking for that key. Jesus got it. It's the key to spiritual and ultimately physical, eternal life. When Jesus showed up, when his friend Lazarus had died, he said to Lazarus' sister these words in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, what he's really saying is, I am the key. I have the key and I am the key. He said, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said to Martha, do you believe this? And that's what he's saying to you today. Do you believe there's been a closing, a legal transaction, a payment has been notarized, it's been signed, it's been sealed, something's been transferred, there's new ownership, and I've got the key. And the key that I have is the key to your forgiveness and your eternal future with the God who loves you. I have the key to that. I can set you free so that he can proclaim over us today who believe in him, death is swallowed up in victory. That's the way Paul wrote it in Corinthians. He said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Can you say change with me? Changed. How? In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, 
Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Why? Because Jesus knew sin was at the crux of the issue. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. Meaning, without the key, it doesn't matter how good you are, how hard you try, or what path you get on, or what frequency you try to tap into, without the cross and the key, we are stuck in a prison called our own sinful separation from the holiness of God. But I'm telling you, Paul comes with this great benediction, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the key to everlasting life. He even said it before he did anything in his ministry. He called on the prophet and he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim anno domini, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I'm telling you right now, today is the day of salvation. 2021 is the year of the Lord's favor. Salvation is here. The key is here. Jesus is here. He is not dead, but very much alive, and he's holding the keys right now to death and to Hades. And anybody who wants spiritual life, Jesus is the key. He's got the key right now. Right now, he has got the key to spiritual and everlasting life and a physical resurrection where your body comes up out of the dust, out of the brokenness, out of the ashes, out of the grave, out of the coffin, out of the urn, out of the where it was scattered, and it comes back and is now put on with imperishable. Yes. And in a flash, yes. it's a brand new you with a body fit for heaven, everlasting, everlasting life. But the second key, I think it's all these other ones. Who knows what this one goes to, but you probably do. I'm not sure what this little guy goes to, but I bet you do. And Jesus is saying to you today, Merry Christmas, I got the keys. If anybody needs to be set free, I've got the keys. I've got the keys to your addiction. I got them. I went down and got them. That cell you've been locked in, I got that key. I've got the keys to your habit. I, I went and got that key. I have it. I've got the keys to the curse that's been over your life. I got it. I have the key to the secret 
I have the key to the pattern. I have the key to the way of thinking. I have the key to the past. I got the keys. And as amazing as it is that Jesus' flesh torn was the way made, there would be people in this gathering right now who don't feel worthy to step into the presence in a relationship with God. He's still behind bars. Shame, guilt, my past, my mistakes, all my dead ends, all my fits and starts and failures. And you're still behind bars when a holy God says, I've already unlocked that door. All you have to do is walk through it. It was made for you by the blood of Jesus. And I think so many of us are gonna come one more time around and we're gonna sing the songs of Christmas and we're gonna huddle around the fire with our family and we're gonna feel something and share something and open something and sing something and say something and we're gonna do it all behind the bars of whatever cell we've gotten locked into when Jesus is trying to say, I've got the keys. And it wasn't nuclear when he split the gates of hell. It was just epic and supernatural. You know, Brad preached a while back and told this story, but when he was navigating with me years ago, we were at an event in Tennessee in Gatlinburg and we came home late. We were living in Alfred at the time. I think we got to our house about 1 a.m. and sure enough, we get up the driveway and I start looking around on all my stuff and no keys to my house. And this is not unusual. That's why I had Brad there with me in the first place. And um, I digging through everything, I don't have the keys. Sometimes we had left a key in some seasons under this place near the front door, went and checked that place, no key there. Shelly's in the house. I text her, babe, is there any way you're up? No. Um, I don't want to bang on a window and scare her. I don't want to rattle the door and scare her. I don't want to do that thing. And so Brad says, hey, there's a key at our office. We used to work at our old house in downtown Alpharetta called the Passion House. And um, my sister had a key to our house in her desk drawer. And so he said, I think Jeannie's got a key in the desk drawer. Let's go check it out. So we get back in the car. We drive the 10 minutes to the Passion House. We, uh, he uses his key. We go in, we go to my sister's desk. We ru rum rummage through the drawer. We can't find the key to our house anywhere. So now we're like, I don't know what we're going to do. So I, I, we could sleep here at the office, or I could. You could go home. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's go one more time and check the doors. So we drive back to the house, and we've got a, a walkout basement, and we've got doors in the back, of course, that go on a patio. We've got a side door that goes onto the garage, onto the driveway. We've got, you know, we got a lot of windows, and so we're poking around quiet as we can, checking doors, you know, and hoping that the neighbors aren't out. And um, finally, we're end up back on the front porch and we had these big double uh, doors on the front of the house and I'm just standing there. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to startle Shelly, but I feel like I'm going to have to like bang on the door or start ringing the doorbell. And I just rested my hand on the, on the latch, the little thing above the door handle and just pressed it down with my thumb and just opened my front door. I don't know what that says about the Giglios, but come on over. <laughs> and I said, 
I mean, about as simple as this, because by now, uh, you know, another hour's gone by, and I said, hey, it's a great night. Thanks for everything. I'll see you at church tomorrow. <laughs> so I walked in, closed the door. And that's what Jesus is trying to say to you today. The front door is open. And it wasn't nuclear. It wasn't uh, some Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy throwdown. It wasn't you or me smashing into the gates of hell. It was just the Son of God going down into the depths of the earth and demonstrating superiority and authority and saying, thank you, I will take the keys. I'm taking all the keys and I'm going to set the people free because the spirit of the Lord is on me and he has anointed me to set the captive free. Split humanity the incarnation made a way split the veil set you free split the gates of hell and you don't have to spend one more Christmas behind a, a prison bar the door's open If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.